Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. And I'm eating this burrito and my, com- <laughs> my companion looks up at me and he's like, it's full of worms. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, guys, it's Jordan and Zach. We're going to talk about ourselves. <laughs> so this is not a pre-recorded intro. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good one. This is as live as it gets. It is. When does the music go off? Uh, it gives you a little countdown there over the top. Does it? Oh, yeah. we, got, we got 10 seconds. Dang. I wonder if anyone... Oh. Oh. So it's Jordan and Zach today with the Hereby Called podcast, and we wanted to take a step back and kind of reflect on our own missions. And one of the questions that I always ask right off the bat to any missionary or anyone um, that, that we interview is what inspired you to go? What made you want to serve? And kind of this, so we kind of want to focus on our own experiences, on our stories going out, because I don't know about you, Zach, but for me, like I assumed everyone had the same experience as me and interviewing 35 people now that is not the case <laughs> yeah so, it's a little bit different for me too yeah so so zach let's let's start with you and you can kind of tell us your upbringing a little bit um but what i was raised in the ghetto um, <laughs> anyways ask your question what made you want to go yeah i guess uh, my story is a little bit different and i think in a couple different episodes i've i've kind of talked about it or hinted mm-hmm. about it um i definitely have said uh, brought it my dad's not a, a member of the church. She never has been, still isn't to this day. Will be one day. Yeah. We'll get you, Bob. For sure. <laughs> um, it's like Napoleon Dynamite. I'm just going to be like, hey, come in the water here real quick. <laughs> oh, that, that's uh, Nacho Libre. Oh, yeah, Nacho Libre. Um, but yeah, so growing my mom's a very active member of the church. She was baptized when she was young. My grandparents are converts. Um, and so my mom was, I like I never remember missing a day of church. Like even if I was sick, I, I like never had that luxury of, Oh, I'm sick. I want to stay home. And your dad was going to church too. Yeah. My dad would go to sacrament and then he would usually either go home and watch an NFL game or talk to somebody in the hall, you know, find mm-hmm. somebody to talk to. And back in where I grew up was very, what I would call rural. Right. Like my parents still yeah. live on a dirt road. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and so our ward boundaries were just massive. And so there was all sorts of interesting people that kind of grew up in that ward. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of youth. Um, I was, I think at one time I was the only teacher and there was like three deacons. Wow. And then, you know, as the area started getting built up a little bit, I think at one time we had like at the most, at the most four priests and four teachers like that was the, the church wasn't really, there's a lot of old people. Yeah. And, uh, or people that had moved in and already had kids. So growing up, <laughs> you didn't have a lot of examples of older people. Uh, close no, to yeah. Your like age that like both or... my bishops didn't serve missions. Mm. Um, one of them just right out of high school, got married, played football and started a business. And then the other one, I'm pretty sure he was a convert. Um, so yeah, I never really had, like my dad obviously didn't serve a mission and and we went to church every Sunday, right? Um, but in our house, it was never like, you know, you're a future missionary. 
um, I always had a respect and understanding of the priesthood. Um, and yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, we've interviewed some people and they're like born and bred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's my story. (laughs) Yeah. To be a missionary for me, it was like, you know, always be a good member of the church. I always, you know, I I didn't get into trouble as a kid or anything like that. I didn't make any bad decisions. Never had a problem with drugs or alcohol or anything like that because my mom was a very good example. Um, we read the scriptures every morning, like every single morning without fail. Um, and again, my dad would go to church. And so what, what really kind of, yeah, what was like the, the, the turning, turning point? point? Yeah. So in my mind, it was, I was always, wa- I always wanted to go play college football. Right. And I wasn't like amazing by any means, but there was a couple of schools that had expressed interest in me. And, um, you know, I had my heart set on that. Even if these D1 schools didn't have it, it, lost interest, I could still go D2, D2 somewhere. Yeah. Up, right? And, and yeah. it would be a really good program. And, you know, I never really wanted to go to the NFL or anything like that. I just wanted to go play football. And then my senior year, I had, I had subluxated my shoulder, which means it pops out, goes out and goes back in. Um, but I, I kind of hyperextended all my ligaments. Um, that actually happened. Yeah. Towards the end of my junior year. So senior year, I was kind of like in limbo. Like I still played, but you know, I just wasn't. You felt like those, those shot, those dreams. Oh yeah. I mean, I I could, I could have been um, recruited as a liability, you know, like I was told right off the bat by some people like, Hey, you can come play with us. You know, you can start on special teams and work your way up. And I'm like, how that's a long way. You know, that's all, that's a lot of getting beat up. Yeah. You know, it's like Rudy. Yeah. And nobody, at that point I had lost all the full ride. Yeah. Nobody, nobody had ever extended me a full ride, but being that I had an injury like that, like I had, I knew I wasn't going to get any full ride scholarship. So I kind of had that in my mind. And then right around February, so football ends in like November, December, Mm -hmm. January, February, my cousin Preston gets his mission call. And, and Preston is kind of the opposite. Like his mom and dad are really good members of the church, like really stalwart people. Not that my parents aren't, but he was kind of that born and bred. Yeah. Right? Um, I remember sometimes like we would go up to the cabins as kids and he would, he would go off into the forest and, and say his, his morning prayer and come back. And he's like, Oh man, it was so beautiful. I was over there saying my prayers. And I was like, what the heck? I'm over here shooting frogs with a BB gun. <laughs> like, I'm not out there saying my prayers. Um, but I remember he opened his mission call and it was Mexico city South, I think. But I just remember not only the attention that he got, you know, but the, the spirit that was there was really something that stuck with me. You know, and I kept on saying, oh, I think, um, you know, I just felt different. And and to say that I didn't have any preset examples growing up, that's totally not true. Like my grandparents served two missions. All my uncles served missions and my aunt served missions. But again, what, what I say is like, it was never like, you need to go. You know, it was never like, yeah, it wasn't in your household specifically. And you guys are kind of on the outskirts of town anyways. So yeah, again, I want to give credit to the examples I did have. It was just never really like in my mind that I, I needed to go serve a mission. It was just there. So Preston, your cousin opens the mission call and you recognize that this is something 
special. Yeah, it was, I just had that feeling. And then my birthday's in March, um, a whole year later. So that, you know. So you're just turning 18 18. Mm -hmm. at the time. And so I was like, you know what, maybe this is something I need to think about. And it's not that, um, you know, again, I wasn't, I didn't have any real big problems with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. So it was was simply just like starting to have those conversations with my young men's leaders and, and with my Bishop. And I had some of the best young men's leaders. Like I am, I am a member of this church today because of some of the leaders that I have. And then not only that, but, uh, I had a really awesome seminary teacher, brother Pickerel, um, who actually served in Brazil where I ended up getting called, but it, the way he kind of expressed his love for his mission, I started to recognize like, Oh dang, missions are kind of cool. Yeah. And I remember, you know, soon after I had made that decision, you know, I'm going to start thinking about going on a mission. Uh, the missionaries came over for dinner once and, and again, it was, to, we just had to like borrows pizza. Right. And the lesson they shared with us wasn't anything fancy, but just the, <coughs> excuse me, the spirit that I felt and it wasn't necessarily maybe even the spirit that they brought. It was just a prompting that I had like, Hey, you need to think about serving a mission. And, uh, I hate, we're all about breaking down culture. Right. Um, I had a a pretty difficult stake president. Mm. Um, and I went and sat down with him and said, I want to go on a mission. And he sat down with me and he goes, now, when you serve a mission, excuse me, (laughs) let me, let me correct myself. If I find you worthy to serve a mission, this is what it's going to be all. This is what he said? Yeah. Oh. And so it was very much like, I felt like he, he wanted you to feel like he had all the power. He's like the gatekeeper. Yeah. Between me and going on a mission. And he actually like held a lot of people back that they ended up going and living with like a grandma and going to a different stake um, to go serve a mission. Uh, and again, it's nothing against him. It's just, again, we're all about breaking down the culture, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was just like, what the heck? And it was really interesting because I was expecting, because I had seen these other kids in my stake who were held back, whatever, four interviews, five interviews, six interviews with president, right? And I'm like, I'm totally expecting to have a handful. And then he goes, all right, well, let's put your papers in after one interview. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm serving a mission now. <laughs> you know, like, like mentally I had prepared for this delay, right? And sure enough, they were sent in. And I think back then it was two weeks before you got your call in the mail. Yeah. It's, it's about the same. Uh, now you get an email, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that uh, to say what, what made me want to serve, I think it was a lot of little things. I think it was a hundred percent the spirit again, going back, I did have good examples, um, that helped me prepare to go on a mission. Um, but again, it was never really, I remember having my mission call and my dad going, are you sure you want to do this? You can, you cannot do this yeah. if you don't want to, you know? And he wasn't trying to talk me out of it. He was just trying to help me understand, understand the choices like, here. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, this is a big decision. You're not going to go to school. You know, you're going to leave the country for 
two years, is this something you really want to do? Um, and I think that's one thing that I always have appreciated about my upbringing is the gospel and the spirit has always been a very personal choice. And not to say that, not to like bash people who, who have been born in the church. Um, but it, it was always a choice for me very young, right? To take the sacrament, to pass the sacrament, to, to go to mutual, right? But I always did it, right? Because I, I knew and I felt that it was right. And it, it, and the reason why I bring that up is there's, I feel a lot of times, you know, even in the peoples we've interviewed there, they get to the MTC and then they're like, Oh crap, I don't have a testimony. Yeah. You know, or I, f- I think I found out that I had a testimony the, from a very young age because I knew the difference between living the gospel and not living the gospel, whether I knew it was because of a specific principle or not, I I could feel the difference, you know, and, and, um, again, my mother's respect and understanding for not only the, the priesthood, but for the importance of the small and simple things, I think has always held me to that standard. I've, you know, th- those, I would say half of those priesthood examples that helped me prepare for my mission have left the church since. And that at the time rocked my world. Like, you know, it'd be like all of a sudden, like, I don't know, Dieter F. Uchtdorf going like, yeah, I don't think this yeah, is true it, anymore. It, it, when, when something like that happens and it will, unfortunately, yeah, it comes down to your testimony and what it's built on. Yeah. And I think for me, it was really tough because I was like, this is my, this is my preset example. I made life changing decisions based on this person helping me prepare. And now they're telling me they don't believe the church is true anymore. Um, but in those moments, going back again to the small things like my mom, you know, like, how do you feel when you go to church? How do you feel when you read the scriptures? You know, are you, <laughs> I think a lot of people think that they're expecting some sort of Joseph Smith type revelation, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had to boil it down to certain events in my life that happened on my mission also. Um, that happened that I couldn't deny you know, and so whether, you know, I still don't understand the whole truthfulness of the gospel or the, the church or whatever, but I know enough to know that it's true. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I decided to go on a mission. <laughs> nice. Long story short. No, that's, that's a, it's a beautiful story and it's cool to hear your experiences. Yeah. And it was also really cool. Like, again, my mom, I was the first person of my last name that I know of, there could be other manuses out there that went on a mission that served. Right. I told you the other day, my, uh, patriarch or what's it called? Priesthood lineage uh-huh. back to like the restoration of Joseph Smith. I think it's, I'll have to go back and look. Your it's like line of authority. It's That's like four or five people or some people in the, who have been born in the church. It's like 35, you know, or whatever. So for me, it was very personal. Um, and so, you know, I know it was hard for my mom to get used to that and, seeing you leave, you know, cause I would have left anyways. I would have gone to college. I would have left, but, uh, to go to a third world country and to, to serve the Lord. And I think I, there's certain principles that I learned about myself on my mission that 
I'll never forget and will help me for the rest of my life. And so I'm forever grateful for that. Nice. How about you? <laughs> Dude, I'm kind of getting, uh, I'm like getting shaky because I haven't told this story and I'm, it, are you getting shaky? It's like personal. Are you shaking? Me. I don't see you shaking. Maybe just inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. <laughs> that's how I feel. Oh, it's real. good. And here's the thing. I think it's different for everybody. Um, and I think that's important for our listeners to know. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I've served in young men's for a long time. And um, I think all the young men are looking for this. This is the one way that yeah, it always works. This massive revelation or, well, I'm going to go just because my brothers went, you know. But in reality, you know, it comes down to your, it's, it's what um, Russell M. Nelson talked about this last conference. It's between you and your heavenly father. Yeah. It's your relationship, you know, and honestly, a mission is not for everybody. Um, but I think everybody can make it work. But anyways, anyways, let's hear it. So I'm kind of the opposite and grew up. I'll say it. I'm a fifth generation Arizonan on both sides, pioneer ancestry, member of the church. As far as we go back, um, my older brother, Jason, who we had on the podcast, he served a mission. My dad, who we've also had served a mission. And when I was a kid, I'd always ask my dad, you know, stories about his mission. He'd tell me. And I always expected that I would go on a mission. Um, but I remember I was 18. I'm kind of old for my grade. In a senior year, and I'm sitting in the back of class in seminary. And it finally hits me because my birthday's in September. And this is, this is the first week of school or so. And the thought hits me. Like in a year, you will be 19 and you can go on a mission. Are you ready? And it was like, no. <laughs> so I started to get really concerned because I had gone through the motions all growing up. I didn't have any issues um, at the time with, you know, any major sins or anything like that. I will say that I I did need to meet with my bishop about some things and, and repent and um you know, over, overcome some things. And it was, to me, it was so beautiful because I had that experience probably when I was 14 or 15 and I grew a very personal relationship with my savior. I knew the pain of sin and how Satan will try to tr try to trick you that you're all alone, that you can't call on heavenly father, that he doesn't want to hear what you have to say. Um, it's just a miserable feeling. And I knew how, how, I don't know, like the, the depth and the despair that there that's there. And I knew that I didn't want anyone else to feel that in this life. And so that really motivated me to go on a mission. So I'm 18, I'm sitting in seminary and I'm like, Hey, I know Jesus is my savior. So I can like firmly decree I'm a Christian, but I don't know about Joseph Smith. I don't know about the book of Mormon. And so I talked to my seminary teacher, um, Brad Smith, if he's listening, <laughs> and he uh, he recommended a couple of things. One thing that he recommended was a talk, The Candle of the Lord by Wood K. Packer. And kind of exactly like what you were saying, he, t he talks about ways to recognize the spirit so you can kind of make these faith-filled decisions. And um, the biggest thing that missionaries ask people to do is to read the Book of Mormon and to pray about it. And, you know, Moroni's promise, you know, you'll, you'll find out if it's true or not, if you have real intent. So senior year, I read the Book of Mormon. And I started to mark when I was young. I probably read the Book of Mormon four or five times before my senior year by myself. Dan, that's pretty good. I had not done that. <laughs> but the thing is, I was reading it and I was just reading it because like you have like your 20 minutes that you're supposed to read a book anyway. So I was like, oh, I'll do the scriptures and 
get my pizza on Friday or whatever. Is this like, like in, like in seminary, oh, like if everyone oh, read okay. their scriptures yeah, every day, yeah. then you get like some bonus at the end of the semester <laughs> or whatever. So that, that was like, pizza was my motivation. But, <laughs> but this time it's my testimony. So I'm reading the scriptures and I'm getting nervous because September rolls around and I'm praying about it. Nothing. October, nothing. November, nothing. December, I'm like, what is going on here? And so I'm like having this huge faith crisis because everyone that I love and that I respect and the majority of people I know are LDS. And it's like, are they all wrong? Is this all a lie? Mm-hmm. Is everything, you know, just everything was, was being shooken. And I, earlier that year, I took community college classes while I was going to high school. And one of the classes was philosophy. So I was introduced to a lot of interesting thoughts mm-hmm. and theories. And but I started to question myself more in a phil- philosophical manner, especially religion. And I remember getting to this point where in re- like reflecting back, I think of ether 12, six, like you receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. And I felt like I hit the point where any logical person could stop praying and have expected an answer by then. I felt like I went above and beyond like a mile past like, Heavenly yeah. Father, you're supposed to give me an answer three months ago. I'm still praying. And I'm nervous. <laughs> and um, I had a really bold conversation with him. And I just said, I'm not going to serve a mission if you won't tell me the church is true. Like <laughs> a lot of people can do it. And for you, and it, it's fun to hear your story because you didn't seem to have a testimony issue. It was just, you know, a change of lifestyle and, and mm-hmm. this decision you hadn't considered. But for me, it was a testimony issue. And it was, I, I can't be a hypocrite. I can't lie and tell people the church is true if I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. So I remember praying at my bedside. And um, it was kind of the final prayer for me. For my faith is like Heavenly Father. <clears throat> Dang, that's a good voice crack. <laughs> it's like you, you you answer me and you you tell me this is true or I'm done. Uh-huh. Like I'm not going because it's 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 against. I I can't do something I don't believe in. Uh-huh. And I remember just praying and crying that night for like hours, and nothing came. <laughs> next morning I went to seminary and I was distraught and upset and just, you know, shaken. And it's the same thing that you had with, with those missionaries. My, my seminary teacher, again, Brad Smith is, I don't remember what the lesson was about. It wasn't anything special, but the spirit hit me so strong and it was like, the church is true. Yeah. Everything that you've been questioning and wanting answers to, you're good. Mm-hmm. Like you can move forward. And so that right there was like, ah, oh, it's so painful and it stinks to be in that, <laughs> that position. <laughs> yeah. And I think of the, the quote, uh, men's extremity is God's opportunity. And there's a scripture I read on my mission. I think it's in Psalms. It says, it's like weeping endures for the night, but a joy coming in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that was my experience. <laughs> like it was, oh, it's so miserable. But yeah, when I knew it was like, this is the best thing ever. And I was so excited to go and to put in my papers and I'll, eventually I'll talk. I, I don't want to talk about it now, but I'll talk about my, yeah. opening my, your call and stuff. my call, my experience. But that was, that was me going. But I remember feeling so much pressure, not from anyone in particular, but maybe just your mom. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but maybe just like the culture in general, like you turn 18, 19, you are going on a mission. Yeah, and for I, sure. I felt like I didn't have a choice and it's like, no, I need to know, like, I need to know this. I can't just go. And I feel like that's something, at least for me, again, maybe my stake, I didn't feel that at all. I didn't feel that pressure. Maybe just because there was not a whole lot of youth and yeah. not a whole lot of people went. Like I remember like two people left and then there was like a six year gap maybe. And then two people left and then me, <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, I didn't feel that at all, but let, let's talk about that for a little bit. Cause I feel, cause I have some family members and, um, I think a lot of people, a lot of members of the church right now are having what, what you described as a faith crisis, you know, because yeah. during these Corona times, you know, we're not meeting regularly as a church. It's kind of left up to us. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You have to take your, your religion in your own hands. And some people that I know are having a hard time with that. And it's honestly, part of me goes, uh, you strap up your boots, you know, this is your responsibility. I think what I'm saying is a lot of people rely on the regularity of going to church and hearing the testimonies and stuff like that and not having that. I think it's putting a lot of people into a, a mojo, you know, it's jacking up their mojo. Yeah. So your faith crisis, how it lasted. When I say faith crisis, I, I mean that respectfully when no, you're, yeah, when you're sitting is. there praying for two, three, four months, and then you finally get that breakthrough. Like, I think what happens to a lot of people is they stop at two months. They stop at three months and then they just give up or say, okay, it's not true. You know, and that, that kind of, I don't want to say it bugs me, but what happened to you, I think needs to happen to everybody at least one time in their life where you literally are broken down to zero. And you're helpless, right? Um, and you then, he's able to, the Heavenly Father is able to respond to you, right? Yeah. And the problem with that is it's extremely painful. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. I've gone through it twice in my life. Um, one time when my daughter, my first daughter was born, like she was pretty much going to die. Uh, the, one of the nurses act, asked me if I had life insurance and if I, what it was and how much a casket would cost. Right. And I, and there's absolutely nothing you could do in that scenario. Right. I broke down to absolutely nothing. The only person I could trust in was my heavenly father. Right. Zero. I'm talking like below the basement. Right. And then giving her a preset blessing and saying, dude, it's all up to you. And then she's obviously totally fine now, but that, that having gone there to like zero, those are things, things that happened since or during that time I can't deny that have helped me when I have a face crisis down the road. And I, my other time that I was down in zero was just like a year and a half ago, like at my wits end yeah, and was able to be brought up. But I think you have to get to at zero it's Gethsemane you know you had you ha I had to feel what he felt in a little fraction you know what I'm saying for for it to make sense for me yeah I think of either 1227 
you know, where the Lord will make weak things. Yeah. You know, no, no, strengths. And it's like, we, the Lord requires a broken heart and contrite spirit. And a lot of times we turned in, we're like, Hey, help us out. Yeah. Help me, help me now. But it's like, you're not broken. Like mm-hmm. you're not. And sometimes you got to break and it hurts. Yeah. It's, that's what, and I guess the reason why I brought that up is I think everybody needs to, excuse me, everybody needs to feel that at least once in some sort of capacity. And the importance of understanding that I'm not going to say you need to do it prior to your mission, but a lot of, a lot of missionaries go through it in the MTC, go through what you went through in yeah. the MTC or, or the first the mission or the first six months of the yeah. mission. Right. And it's tough. A lot of kids go home and then they leave the church. Right. Or a lot of, uh, it, it's a reality that we need to talk about. Right. Um, and the, the hard part is it's very personal, right? My dad's, my dad's, quote unquote Gethsemane rock bottom could be 28 years long. Yeah. You know, and then he finally gets the answer. He needs to be baptized. You know, I don't know. It's just tough, but it's, it's, as I sit here with my young men, you know, and I see the importance of, of going through that, to have that personal relationship with their heavenly father prior to, to making a decision like this because it only makes it that much more worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the point of this podcast is everyone has a different story going out. Um, of course, I would hope that everyone could have a, a similar story to mine to to gaining a testimony, knowing for sure, and, or like Zach, knowing you know it's the right decision. But um, from from what I've seen and in, in interviewing you know thirty five different people of you know, some friends and family. If you can have the experience early, great, but have that experience, you know, at one point come to know that, that Heavenly Father is there and he'll help you out. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I feel like bad that I said that, but it's exactly, I mean, you look at all of the, the prophets and, and, and all the stories in the Book of Mormon, how, how very low they got to recognize how merciful yeah. the gospel is. Right. And Again, having gone through that certain points in my life has helped me teach people, taught me taught, teach people on my mission, right? Um, I guess basically what I'm saying and boiling everything down to is you need to have a very personal relationship with your Heavenly Father. And what that looks like is completely up to you. Yeah, everyone's life's different. And I, and again, I think what Zach's saying is he doesn't wish pain on anyone. No, 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 no. But I think of, was it Abraham 3? where the Lord's like, we're going to send them down. We're going to test them. Like this is part of the yeah. test. You will be tested. That's, that's guaranteed. And I, I just, I feel my heart breaks when people give up and say, ah, oh, this isn't worth it for me anymore. It's too hard. You know, it's that analogy. You've seen that like poster of the guy digging for diamonds, right? No. <laughs> He's digging for diamonds. And then he, he's, it's like x-ray, like you can see through. Yeah. The yeah. And he's digging, 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 digging. And then he's like, yeah, forget this. This is like, I've dug way too far. And he gave up right before he hit his diamond, you know? Um, it's a commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna hit rock bottom and you're gonna have to rebuild yourself back up a number of times. But 
it all comes down to your relationship with your heavenly father. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I could talk, keep going and talk about it, but no, we're good. We're good. Um, we'll go ahead and post that. And again, Zach and I will share more about our missions and kind of experiences that we had that make us who we are today. But thanks for tuning in. We'll post this on Sunday and we'll see you next week. Later.